time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you on the podcast. It is Monday, June 21st, 2021. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're so grateful to have you as our listener. Our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. And talk about timely information in today's hot topic. We're excited to have back by popular demand, Josh Friend, who's the founder and CEO of Accelerate. And we We've had him on previous podcasts, actually back in March 23rd, 2020, as well as August 17th, 2020. Both of those links to those previous podcasts are in the show notes. Go back and listen to those podcasts. I went back and listened to those previous podcasts and took pages of notes, and I'd listened to them before. It explains why these two podcasts that we did back in March of last year and August of this last year are some of the most downloaded podcasts. It's because people are saying there's something in those previous podcasts that is resonating with lenders, and it explains why so many are downloading those podcasts yet today. So be sure to listen to the Hot Topic segment. We're proud to be a part of the Industry Syndicate. Check out all the podcasts at industrysyndicate.com. Also, I want to say a thank you to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America, as well as Finastris Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution. Be sure to check out their webinar that they got going on tomorrow, June 26th second at 1 p.m. Why technology modernization should be at the top priority for all financial institutions. Check out, there's a link in our show notes and also go back and listen to the podcast we did with Dan Putney back in January. Also, we have two collaboratives that are part of our podcast sponsorship, the Lenders One podcast. We got Justin Demolia, who will be our guest coming up next week, as well as the Mortgage Collaborative. We had Tom Gallucci on as our guest back in December 7th, 2020. Go back and listen to that podcast. Again, both of these co Co-ops do a great job allowing lenders and their vendors to get close and personal, get to meet each other. We happen to be members of both of these co-ops, and we're glad we are because of how we're able to interact more closely with the members. So whether you're a vendor or a lender, consider joining one or as we have both of these co-ops. Also, the Community Mortgage Lenders of America does a great job of helping independent mortgage bankers working with the MBA to have their voices heard on the Hill. Also, we have Incelerate, who is our featured guest today, Josh Fred, who founded Incelerate, will be on talking about leading edge technology and mortgage expertise with pre-designed campaigns that come together to help enhance the power engagement. And you're going to learn more about that in the Hot Topic segment. Also, Knowledge Coop, a great learning management system that will help you train your people, educate your people. Also, check out Mobility Mortgage Market Intelligence and Modex. Modex and Mobility MMI do a great job of helping mortgage lenders recruit top LOs, as well as giving you market intelligence of what's going on in sales with the various realtor firms in the markets you serve. Also, I want to say a special thank you to Rob, Les, Alice, Alan, and Matt for their contributions each and every week. Welcome to today's Hot Topic everybody. We have as a special guest, Josh Friend, founder and CEO of Incelerate. He has been on the podcast two previous times. And what I found really interesting is the rate 
at which his particular podcast is being downloaded. In fact, we did our first podcast with Josh back on March 23rd, 2020. And we did our second podcast with Josh on August 17th, 20. What's interesting about this topic, and I was talking to Josh before we got on this podcast today, was I said, Josh, why is it you think your podcast is being downloaded more today than it was when it was even recorded. And we had a good number of downloads. It's a very popular podcast. And he and I are talking, and I believe it is because of the trends that are going on in the industry. So joining us today, back by popular demand, Josh Friend. Josh, good to have you here, friend. Appreciate it. David, thanks for having me. I am uh, always enjoy being on your show. You've definitely been a thought leader in this industry, so I'm flattered that you've had me back again. Well, we're honored to have you as a thought leader, as an advertiser, but what really has been amazing to me, Josh, is just how much you are getting down downloaded. And I think it does speak to people looking for thought leadership, especially when it comes to originations. And you offered up some very thought-provoking ideas, at least some suggestions on how to get ahead of these latest developments that are happening in the industry. So we're going to put both of these links to previous show notes in today's show notes. But back in March 23rd, Josh, you talked about something called creating a custom audience. I know you're going to touch on that today. But what I found interesting is you said you compared Sears to Amazon. <laughs> Never would have thought that. But you said actually Sears was the original Amazon, which I thought was interesting. You started drawing our attention about how they connected and some of the same rules apply. Now they use the technology of the day, the catalog. Amazon is using the technology that we all know and familiar with today. But you also got into talking about how your system does call routing. There was just so much in that podcast. And I listened to it yesterday as I did the one in August and the amount of data that came out of it and the notes I took were pages. And so the August 17th, you talked about gathering borrowing data, how important it is. Those companies that are going to be the future leaders are ones that are today gathering data. I know you're going to touch on that. You touched also on the custom audience. I was impressed on August that you talked about how direct mail is making a bit of a comeback. That should interest some of our listeners, as well as the matter of how you engage borrowers and then how anyone in the mortgage lending industry needs to really educate more about in providing information and education, which is creating greater content. And then we ended it with artificial intelligence. There was so much good information you put out, friends. So let's get started kind of where we left off. What are some of the latest trends, things that are there? You're a thought leader. Give us some thoughts. I think the reason why the podcast is getting downloaded more is because the trend is right now is this convergence of more technology entering the mortgage space that's actually making an impactful difference, right? So for many years, an LOS didn't come in to help make an impactful difference for a lender. It was a necessary tool, right? It was a, the, a manual way to do a thing. It wasn't an, an efficiency grabber. I mean, I guess it's better than filing cabinets and typewriters, but it wasn't like something that improved the situation or made it cheaper or faster or easier to close a loan, right? So that's all changed. I mean, the average cost produced a loan, I, last time I looked at the stat from 2018 was, I think, $8,900. Yep. And in 2009, it was $3,200. Right. So loans are getting more expensive, getting more costly. So this technology, I think there's a lot of back office technology. You, you mentioned AI and we see AI as transforming not just the mortgage industry, but all industries. And it's going to drive consumers to 
buy more easily. I compared Amazon and Sears. Great example. If you really think about it, Amazon, are they an online retailer? No, they're a retailer. They're there to sell you your whatever, because you, you can go to Whole Foods, you can go to physical stores they own now and buy things. They're there to make it really, really easy for you to buy products. That's what Sears did. So consumers don't change their buying habits. They always buy for trust, convenience, and a fair price. Most people don't shop for the lowest, lowest price. They want a fair price with trust and convenience, right? So those things don't change. So now consumers are starting to go, wait a minute, why don't I do a mortgage? Do I have to send you all this paperwork? Why do I have to do all this stuff? And they're wanting a better experience. Now lenders look at AI as, hey, this is an actual way to do an underwrite. This is an actual way to process a loan. AI, just so everyone knows, isn't like new. So AI, the first AI convention was in 1956 at Dartmouth College, almost 70 years ago. The first time they used artificial intelligence as a convention for all the scientists at the time to work through AI. So this is going on 70 years of formulation of how this all this stuff works. And you take a look at a W-2 or a pay stub or a tax return. A lender, you may pay five people to look at the same pay stub, to do the same calculation, to use the same rules, to come out with the same answer. We hope they come out with the same answer, right? right. <laughs> Hopefully they're all getting the same answer so it keeps moving down yep. the line. And if they don't, you got to pay someone even more money, give it to like the senior underwriter who costs even more to decide who's got the right answer. And these are all built off of predefined rules. Well, what AI does is it's very good at learning rules. AI is a singular learning thing, meaning you teach it colors. And once it makes a mistake, you say that's wrong. And then as it makes more mistakes, it starts comparing what mistakes it makes to figure out, oh, why is this wrong? Examples like you teach AI to read a car, you start showing pictures of cars, and then you show an apple and they may not know the difference between an apple and a car because they're both round or whatever the colors may be. And then they start learning what cars are. They have metal, they have tires, they have glass, they have these things. And then also you show it a truck and you tell it that's not a car. Okay, well, why is that? Then you show another truck and eventually it learns, oh, when this car has this truck bed, this picture, that's no longer a car, it's something else. What is that? And it will learn what that is. That's how AI learns. And so it it can learn to underwrite. What's really interesting story about that, that's where CAPTCHA came from. They were trying to find a free way to pull on the public to help validate what certain images are. So CAPTCHA started, when you look at pictures, where that originally came from is how, let's throw this out to the general public and talk about how to use crowdsourcing and how to validate things. So they started throwing this out and they used that to increase the database. So you think about how to employ millions and millions and millions of people to help you on the improving certain optical recognition. Capture was, that was the original basis. That's amazing. And that's how you train AI. That's how it learns. I mean, it it doesn't make the same mistake twice, right? It it learns and it consistently learns. It's better than humans in that regard. And it works 24 hours a day. Doesn't want overtime, doesn't get recruited by the company down the street. There's all these things that it, they do. I love one of the earlier podcasts we talked about, the first one back in March of last year, you talked about how you used your system for call routing. Do you see artificial intelligence playing any role in that? I mean, where is all of this going? You've got a great product and I want to learn more about it. And I was just talking to one of our clients just before we got on the podcast. He goes, how does Incelerate compare to like Blend or any one of the other big firms out there? So give us a little construct for that. First, I'll answer the, the last question first, but the difference between Blend and Incelerate, Blend is a plan of self solution, right? Yeah. So Blend is where your consumer goes to physically start a transaction, interact with a transaction, upload some documents, hopefully look at pricing, get disclosures, you know, choose a loan. Incelerates the CRM system, customer experience platform now is what we really elevated to because we have a CRM in there, we have lead management, we have an engagement platform, we have data intelligence, we have all these different products now. Our platform is going to make sure 
Once that customer comes into your world, whether you find them because you buy a list of records or they contact you or go to your website, interact with you, we're going to manage that relationship. We're going to make sure that that customer is getting communicated to on multiple channels, whether it's emails, text messages, Facebook, Instagram, which is those are the custom audiences. Lenders need to know, go shop for some shoes online and then go look around on the web and all of a sudden you notice you see that shoe company everywhere or for a grill or whatever it is. And then you actually will start seeing a competitor for a grill. Go look like a Traeger grill. Then all of a sudden you'll see a Louisiana grill. The reason why that's working is there's things called custom audience and cross-market platform targeting. There's these other techniques that you can then now involve those customers and reach out to them and, and find them. So, I mean, AI will eventually start playing more and more role in what those outreaches look like. So the question is you worked a lot in technology or done some great innovative things. Your current technology is like nothing I've seen out there, especially when it allowing you to communicate and connect with the borrower. I get that. I love texting, calling, all the other different means by which you can do it. This is a rhetorical question, but I'm asking it nonetheless. Where would you see the mortgage industry at in relation to where things are developing and how quickly are we catching up? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I would say 25% of the mortgage industry is keenly aware that they have to change or the way they do business. Only- the technology needs to change. And in that 25%, I would say 3 to 5% are really actively doing it. And 10% are thinking about doing it. Because I mean, think about it. Here's why. Last year, you didn't have to be efficient. You didn't have to be anything. You just had to be a lender and you could print money. Now, there was lenders and we're finding this. We're seeing more and more larger enterprise customers come out and reach out to us now. So the larger lenders made a bunch of money last year. Maybe they weren't going to make as many technology changes in the run of it because they're trying not to slide on production, but now they're like, all right, we have a lot of capital. Let's reinvest in the business. The market's changing. This is the year to do it. We have employees. We want to keep feeding the beast, right? We have all this headcount. What do we need to do to increase that volume and drive more volume? And I have a lender that went from 20,000 leads a month they were purchasing to almost 70,000 leads they were purchasing within like 60 days. Wow. So they're just, how do we do more of it? Yeah. But then once you capture the data, then you have this rich database and we have not as an industry been doing well with that. Alice, I want to get over to you and let you ask any questions you might have of our guest today. Alice? Yes. Hi, Josh. How are you? Great. Really glad to have you on the show. So you were talking a little bit about artificial intelligence. Is that integrated into your product? No, we don't use AI inside the product right now. We've done some AI back-end work around machine learning and, and data alignment and so forth. But it's not something that we're pushing out necessarily in the marketplace. As time goes on, you'll see more and more of it and you'll see some of it in our platform. Right now, we're looking at some of the AI that it's actually not even really necessary in the marketplace. It's, it's available, but it's using OCR technology and underwriting technology and machine learning to actually process loans. That's kind of the AI we're identifying out in the market. Yeah, that's definitely a game changer for sure. So how do you differentiate and accelerate from the other CRMs that are out there? Yeah, I mean, really good question. I think one of the reasons why we've been growing so quickly is we had a lead management system. David, you'd asked earlier uh, the question, you'd asked about inbound call routing and routing calls. So there's only us and one other player in the marketplace that does lead management. That company technology was built 17 years ago and it's older and there's us, which is newer technology. That's the big difference. The rest of the market players out there don't have lead management. What I mean by that is this, if your customer goes to your website, and by the way, we're doing one right now, we're doing an MBA, we're doing our fourth annual MBA contact study, going to websites and applying online and seeing how quickly lenders respond to us. What I can tell you is over half the time, there's no response. So if a consumer goes to your website, ask for a loan, half the time lenders aren't even 
emailing them. There's nothing coming back. And this has been year after year after year. This has been like this. So lead management is an inbound call around. That's the ability to actually, hey, someone raises their hand, whether they call you. So you need someone that calls a toll-free number on your website. You need to route to a loan officer's license in their state. Well, how do you do that effectively? And how do you track that call? Well, our system would do that. That's the lead management side. That would uh, seem like some artificial intelligence in there behind that. But that's just our, our business rules that we've built inside go. the platform that does that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. So that's a big, big, big differentiator is our ability to actually manage the leads and manage the data. And I think if we're talking about customer experience, which is what this is all about, if you get better customer experience, you'll get more repeat customers. You get more referrals. That's the easiest way to do it. So if I'm trying to help your customer experience, if I don't manage the phone call at all, I don't even know if you called me. I don't know if I called you. If I can't route that, if I can't tie those phone calls to your record to understand what your experience actually has looked like, how do I really maximize or manage that customer experience? So it's really being able to really manage the overall data and their leads you know, from a hand raiser to repeat customer. I think that's a major differentiator in a platform. Um, and then just obviously we think we're more innovative. Right. We're always pushing out new product every two right. weeks or something new coming out. The rate at which you turn out enhancements is just nothing less than amazing. Alan, I know you've watched our good friend and Josh and guests do amazing things out in the market. Alan, what questions do you have for our guest? Yeah, no problem. Hey, Josh. So one of the things we've got people on the phone listening, what do lenders need to do to really master the build of lasting referral relationships in and I almost want to say before you answer that, how do lenders get started? Yeah, you know, this is all great stuff, yeah. but how do we get them to say, let me pilot, let me test something out with you. You want to take that question? Yeah, I, I think the first step is how we get started and what lenders need to do to understand how to get repeat business and manage this better is, is actually very old school. It's not even technology. It's a whiteboard, it's a marker, and it's a meeting. Go in there, have a big whiteboard, big one, because you want to start mapping out the customer journey, what the experience looks like to get a loan from you. I call what happens. I call, no one answers what happens. I call, leave a message what, what happens. How soon do I get responded to? I email, I text, I apply for a loan and I don't move forward with a loan. What happens at day five, 30, 60? What's that experience look like? I apply for a loan and I get turned down. I get denied. A great example is Alice said that the FHA came down and said, now we're going to use a half a percent for the uh, student loan income qualification. Well, if you have that data that says these people were all turned down because of debt to income ratio and they have a student loan, and that's all data you can have in a platform to manage, you can then market to those people. So once you start identifying and just outlining it all, that's step one right? Is just get it all out there. So you understand what you're trying to do, what the journey looks like, so how to improve it. And then start looking for technology that you think that can work best with that. The one thing I would say is most important, and this term has been in the industry for a long time, is APIs. Do you have an API? Well, what does an API mean? I can tell you APIs mean a whole lot of different things for different people, right? Yeah. They're not all equal. They don't all do the same. You want to make sure that you have APIs that allow you to yourself, if you want to easily integrate to other technology, pass data back and forth without any development needs. I and mean, that's, the type of thing that you'll see lenders kind of do more. So you start with outlining it, get started, find a system that you might accelerate that can manage all these other platforms can integrate easily. So that way you're able to continue and keep that data alignment and find those customers. When a new product comes out in the marketplace, how do you find those customers you turned down last week that now qualify? And how do you send them a message at the right time saying, great news, FHA just changed the rule. Last time you applied for a mortgage, you couldn't buy a house. Looks like you can buy a house today. But that's the type of technology that you're going to see more of. Yeah, being able to, when you see, See it's something like what Alice just reported on, waking up to it and realize, oh my gosh, 
How many in our database? How many people even have that ability to go in and search for that? That's really a great point. So Josh, when you look at different companies like Alex at Sales Boomerang, those are some of the technologies and tools. Talk about how you work with a company like Sales Boomerang. Yeah, it's a great example. We have a great integration with them, great relationship with Sales Boomerang and Alex Gutchinson and his whole team there. What works is we're going to get the data from the customer. So whether you're inputting a lead because you're on the street and you're on a mobile phone and you're in an open house and talk to someone or you buy a lead online or they call all the leads or all the information your customers can come from our platform. And based off of rules, right, you could say if a loan goes into Encompass or your LOS and it gets denied because of credit, what we're going to do is go oh, denied because of credit. We're going to take all those different data points. And then when it's appropriate, we're going to send those records to Sales Boomerang, right? Any data monitoring company, we're going to send that information and then they're going to have those records and they're going to be monitoring those people. And if something changes with those folks, they're going to say, hey, this just changed. They're going to message us through our API. Our system's going to kick off a workflow, a message, a whole contact strategy to the loan officer saying this person lists their house for sale. They pulled their credit for another mortgage or or now they're in the money. Now they qualify for a mortgage. They apply for a purchase and their FICO wasn't there. Now it's there. And so that's the data, the back end that's going to sit there and make sure that we have the information to then power our platform, which is going to make sure you're talking to your customers. Yeah, it starts getting into data intelligence. You talked about that earlier and how it is changing the mortgage game. Any other examples that you can give us? Yeah. I mean, we just launched uh, at the beginning of the year, our new product called Data IE. And I can tell you from watching lenders use it right now, it's become very, very, very impactful. It's having in real time when, when a consumer comes into the platform, understanding everything about the consumer you possibly can, right? So you understand things like, do they have a pool in their backyard? How many square feet is their house? What's their current lender? When did they take out their original loan? What's their current rate? What's their current balance? What's the average home price in their neighborhood? What's the last five homes that sold in their neighborhood? All this really good, rich information that's going to do three things. One, it's going to make you, a loan officer, have better information to figure out hey, here's how I can help you, right? Oh, you already are in 15 years. So let me offer you 15 years. Sounds like you want a 15 year. We'll probably go back to 15 year. Two, it's going to allow the market inside to customize things. Think about this. Hey, it's summertime. Let's look at all the homes, all the people we spoke to in Florida, they don't have swimming pools and have, you know, 30% equity and a FICO score of 720 or up. Let's send them all a message that says, get a swimming pool in your backyard. A swimming pool at 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 today's interest rate, a $75,000 swimming pool will cost you $25 a month or so. Do something clever. Let them know, here's what a swimming pool is going to cost you. Here's a question. The last mortgage company that I was a partner in and ran the mortgage banking division of, we bought a lot of data and we're able to load that data up into our call management system. It was archaic compared to what you have today. But when they would call, we had so much data that came to screen. So we married the incoming phone number. So when we're answering the phone call, the consumer's information is coming up. We did this over 20 years ago. Granted, we may have been on the cutting edge, but this has been around for a long time. But here's the question. It scared the consumers a bit that how much data we had. What is the best practices today to what you can share with a consumer of what you have in front of them. I started my first mortgage company in 2003 and we'd get direct mail calls and we'd get people would say, how do you have my information? And you're right. You don't want to tell them, oh, we can look at your pre-screen credit. Another industry I was in the late nineties was wireless internet. When wireless internet was first coming to phones, I had done some work on wireless internet and, and um, voice recognition. And at the time I was trying to get GPS information from a cell phone to be able to empower the, the platform. And the thought was no one, and it was true, no one wanted a GPS in their cell phone at all times because that was like creepy and you're following me around. There was actually a company that made a battery you could put on your phone and you could hit a button and it would send the signal just when you hit the button. It was, no one's ever going to want a GPS in the phone. Well, today, <laughs> yeah, it's convenient. You don't mind Siri or whoever telling you it's a 14 minute drive home. You don't mind that they, you realize, oh, they know what I'm doing right now because it's convenience for you. So again, yeah. 
consumers buying habits don't change. They want convenience, right? Trust, a fair price. So that doesn't change. So have that information today actually builds credibility. Right? When you're talking to the customer, this information is out there. They know this information. They know who I am. They know more about me. So they're probably going to be more accurate on qualifying me or what they're going to offer me or they care about me. Is there a best practice you found in how to talk about the data you have on them? And there's some do's and don'ts. Yeah. I mean, I think what I would do is if, if they want to ask, well, how do you get this data? I think the easiest ways, there's a couple of different ways we get data, right? Well, most of the stuff is public record, right? Which means this is stuff that's a public record that your neighbor could go look up. It's just compiled in massive databases. So it's easier than us having to look up each one, one by one. Now, if you use credit data, that's the other thing that you could be using is credit data. Now that's not public record. But what you can say is you don't like getting these credit card offers and this credit data. You can write into the credit bureaus and ask them to take you off the list. Mm -hmm. We're just using the stuff that's out there that helps us as a lender identify you, the consumer, the best person to do a loan for so we can you know, offer the best rates, services, fees. I think that's the easiest conversation. And I think consumers know that that's true. Now, if you say, oh, when you download up my mobile app on your phone, I've been you know copying all your contacts and stealing all your pictures or something. And you're doing something else. Yeah, no one wants that, right? But the normal thing of I had data, because it's public record or it's on their credit file. I think today people just know that. They understand it. Alice, you work for a successful big company that Union Home has some real big standards. How does this all sound to you and how are you guys managing this at Union Home? Well, it's interesting as you were talking, Josh, earlier about two separate systems. That is the challenge between lead management and customer management, right? And the idea of having them all in one place and and then actually being able to have the right messaging go out at the right time for that level of detail detail is really intriguing, but it all starts with capturing it in the first place, right? And being able to feed it into the system. So do you have any suggestions for where lenders get started with that? This is going to sound like a shameless plug for Incelerate, but I mean, if you're asking me where to get started to do this better, if you're not using our software, you get started using our software and talk to our sales team. And if you don't like our software, we'll tell you the other people to look for. Hey, if you're looking for these types of features, here's the other companies that can provide these types of features. But I would say start there is once you whiteboard things, give us a call. I love talking about mortgages, David. I love talking about technology. I ran a mortgage company for many years. So I enjoy, my sales team enjoys talking to other mortgage professionals. It's great. We learn more. So give us a call. We'll help you or we'll tell you we can help you. I want to go back to talk about that you know, greenfield. We call it the greenfield experience where you start with a whiteboard, nothing on it, and you start mapping the experience. I mean, I was retained by a Texas Capital Bank to help them launch their correspondent division. At the time, Jack Nunnery was there and he's still there as we record this. He's about ready to retire out. But it was really fun and amazing all when you really start with a blank sheet of paper or a blank whiteboard, and it was a big one, we have actually three of them around the room and we start mapping out. We have people there with process engineers would literally start the building out the workflow process like the other oh, Visio. They were using Visio at the time. We recommend using Lucid charts, but whatever tool you are, start mapping it out and mapping out the processes. And then we go back and work with a lot of companies on re-engineering or re-examining their various processes and hopefully getting them to a place where they're examining intentionally going about it. So when you map out the customer for life strategy, talk a little bit about that. What does that look like? Customer for life strategy. You coined that and I loved it. I mean, you're mapping out what's your game plan to get repeat business and how do you do that? And I think the the way to do that is number one, easiest way to get repeat business is to give someone exceptional service. So you want to map out what's it actually like to get a loan from you? How many times does a consumer on average have to sign new disclosures because it 
the numbers have changed. How quickly do you close loans? How quickly do you communicate to your customers? Do you let them know what's going on during the transaction? What's your customer complaint lifecycle look like? Do you even know if you have customer complaints? Right? Are you reviewing any of these data points? So it's really getting good with the blocking and tackling of giving someone a mortgage, right? Giving good advice, your loan officers knowing what's the right offer to make. Then from there, it's the touch points of understanding how to communicate to someone for the rest of their life and the different channels to do that. We have the richest data set on the planet of any vertical market out vertical. there working with consumers. Should we not be able to provide leads to other companies and other industries? Is that the potential where this could go? There are some lenders out there right now that can tell you that have partnerships with insurance companies and different folks that say, hey, we have all this great information. Maybe you can get a better homeowner insurance quote. There is a lot of data. Obviously, the whole thing is about sharing data. Listen, I have a financial planner. They don't know what my credit report looks like. They've never gone through my credit report and put that against my income. I mean, the only person is a mortgage lender. You see everything about a customer when you're doing a loan for them. We're in a great spot to give people great advice. What I'm excited for, where I think we'll see AI come out in a couple of years from now more, and this is the kind of stuff that we're kind of working on in the background, is how do I make that decision of how to help that customer a lot better and easier? Because now I have all this great, rich information. How can AI help me say, David, you really should take a 5-1 arm. I mean, I remember selling loans and I would tell all my friends, take an arm, take an arm. And everyone was like, no, that's horrible. That's horrible. Well, let me tell you something. Since I've been in the business, if you would have taken an arm, you would have done better than anyone else. It's always been a better option. And you had to explain it to people. Well, here's why. The average person sells or refinances every three to four years. Now, I was good at that, but AI can make all loan officers be experts at that, yeah. right? And, and better intelligence. Alan, we've got to wrap this up, but can I give you a chance to ask a couple of questions here at the end? Yeah, I just wanted to throw out there, Josh, I think your company, as well as many others, you're not relying 100% on always technology to engage with clients and to put something out there. I know that you've got low-tech ways to move ahead, as well as other more high-tech options. I think that's important for people not to be overwhelmed and think technology is a roadblock to moving ahead. Technology helps things, but there's no reason folks can't take advantage of all the things you do for other people today. And I mentioned that just because even my company, Open Close, we're integrated with you, and you and I've been talking about even enhancing that. And there's still, regardless of baseline integration that people could use to take advantage of everything that Accelerate does. So maybe just chat about that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think what you said is right. I mean, having information from the LOS makes us much, much more powerful, right? Having the ability to really understand what's going on with the customer is going to drive more engagement. And your comment of low tech, low tech is like direct mail. I mean, people are going to call it low tech. Now I'll call it high tech because we automate it and we do real time on demand fulfillment and can actually print and color and send out a piece of on demand micro fulfillment mail for a third of the cost that it used to be. Now, most people don't understand what that means. I do. I sent about 90 million pieces of mail out in my past mortgage company. So I understand the cost produces stuff. So there's new technology that's making it cheaper to do now on a low touch number, but direct mail, it works. I got a direct mail piece from Amazon. It was a couple of years ago. I opened my mailbox and there's a little thing and it's from Amazon. I'm like, oh, I'm going to open it. It's from Amazon. I open it up and here's what it said to me. Josh, you've been an Amazon Prime member for two years and you've never used Amazon Prime movies or videos. You get this for free with your membership. Now, I'd seen an email about login, but once I got that piece of mail, guess what I did that day? I logged into Amazon Prime and I added it to my Apple TV and now I use Amazon Prime Video, but I wouldn't have done it elsewise. So it's a combination of reaching people at the right time, different methods. People respond through different methods at different times as well. It does. I mean, that's interesting when you come here about 
that's how I too learned that I had free movies on my <laughs> Prime account. And I go, and you're kidding me. Why have I not taken advantage of it? So it, it drives home the point. This is really creating a strategy. And I think that's why your podcasts are getting downloaded. Your interviews are getting downloaded. It is the strategy and the best practices that you have discovered that works. You ask a lot of great questions. You have created a great technology and I encourage our listeners to get on the phone with you. Yes, listeners, I'd love to have you mention, looking on Lenny, you heard about it, but more importantly, get a hold of him. So how can people get a hold of you? And what's the best way to get the maximum amount of information without being a pain? Yeah, go to our website, incelerate.com, I-N-S-E-L-L-E-R-A-T-E, incelerate.com. Ask to book a demo and talk to us. Put your yeah. information in there. And I'm just going to tell you, we use our software to sell our solution. So what you'll find is you'll get a response from one of our salespeople probably within an hour, even if it's on a Saturday or a Sunday, because we have a mobile application. And our system works out if you're a salesperson and someone inquires for a demo and they don't get called within an hour, guess what? It goes to open and another salesperson can call that lead. So we yep. create competition. So you'll get the same experience. We're going to ensure you won't miss a call. And the same thing we do for lenders. So you'll be able to see what that feels like. So go to the website. We've got the links in there and uh, accelerate.com, the technology that I think is just really coming into its own. So nice to know how you contrasted it with some of the other point of sales that are out there. Good job. Good to have you Thanks, on the David. podcast today. Really, really. Pre- oh, one quick question about texting. What about texting? Is that the most effective way to connect it with people? And when 100%. is it appropriate? And when is it not? 100% texting is the easiest way to get a hold of people. Yeah. There's no question. It's the highest respondent to a uh, form of communication. text messages are read in the first three minutes. I mean, they're not going to offend someone by sending them a text saying, hey, here's my number. We can interact this way. Consumer doesn't want to respond to you by text or says stop, then great. But other than that, it's expected and it works. It's very effective. Now lenders need to pay attention to making sure they're compliant. Mm -hmm. You don't want your loan officers using their cell phones and just using their cell phone number to text because what if someone texts some personal information? Right now I have that on my cell phone or I can't manage that. How do I automate that? And some of the systems out there don't have mobile applications. So then the consumer can't actually text your loan officer. So you really have to pay attention to how you roll out text and make and it. You have all of that baked into your system. That's right. Yep. So it's mobile. We can manage compliance with it. And so there's all those things that you would have to run into. So think about the big picture of how you'd actually use it when you go find a system to run it. Josh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast again. We're going to be having you again and again and again and again, because you're Love it. on the cutting edge of where the market is going. And I'm so glad to be in relationship with you. Thank you for being here today. Thanks, David. Next week, we have Justin Demolia coming on from Lenders One. Really excited about this interview and talking about the upcoming conference. We get to get together again in Orlando coming up in August. You can hear about that conference. We're back together. The band is back together. I tell you, I've never seen an industry so ready to connect. We're an industry that it's about relations and we love meeting each other in person. Also want to say a thank you to our sponsors who make this podcast possible each and every week. Finastra, as well as the Community Mortgage Lenders of America, Lenders One, Incelerate, Mobility MMI, as well as Modex, the MBA, as well as Knowledge Coop and the Mortgage Collaborative. Thanks for being here this week. Tell others about the podcast and have a great week. Been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.